You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Well, good morning and Merry Christmas Eve. It's great to see each and every one of you here today. And if you're visiting with us for the first time, I'm glad you decided to join us today. I love Christmas and I just, I just love all the traditions around it. And, and uh, maybe like uh, our family, you kind of have to prepare some room uh, in your house because a lot of people are coming over today or tomorrow or, or maybe they're coming in from out of town to stay with you for a couple of days. And we all kind of know how that feels when you've got family moving in for a day or two. And I remember last year we had some family come stay with us and I remember, you know, just all the energy that kind of goes into preparing the room. You got to have more towels and more food and more sheets and more blankets and, and uh, got to clean up the house and organize a little bit. And, and I remember going upstairs to check out my kids' rooms to get them to clean up and uh, went into one of my kids' rooms. I'm not going to mention which one, uh, but I went into his room and uh, <clears throat> it was a complete disaster. I mean, it was like the FBI had been there like ransacking his room looking for drugs or something. And it, it just like the drawers were pulled out, clothes were everywhere, the blinds were broken, uh, clothes were everywhere. And there's this foul stench in the room, you know, that middle school foul stench. It's like a, a mix between sweaty leather socks and something's dead in here. And it, it was just terrible. And also a little touch of ax in there because you got to have that in a middle school boy room. And, you know, we, we, we got it cleaned up. We had to prepare room. And some of you know what that feels like. It's like you're preparing some room. How many of you got some family with you this weekend, next couple of days? Anybody got some room? And go ahead and tell them. You can go ahead and look at them if they're with you and say, hey, I'm glad you're, you're staying with us. Go ahead and tell them. Say, I'm glad you're staying with us today. And, and just kind of have that moment with them, a special moment. And then now you can turn to them and say, but you can't stay here, right? You got to leave. I don't want you here too long. Good for a couple of days, not too long. We, we all kind of know what it feels like to prepare room for family in our house. But, but uh, I wonder in this Christmas season, if, if you've actually taken some time to prepare some room in your life to actually think about who Jesus is. I wonder if you've really thought it through, like what is Christmas really about? And have you really taken time to prepare him room in your life. You know, we just sang the song a a little bit ago, Joy to the World, and the lyrics are, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing. Let, Let every heart prepare him room. That phrase caught our attention several months ago as we prepared for this day. And, and uh, we thought, man, what does it look like in our culture, in our family, in our life uh, to really prepare room uh, for Jesus? And, and, and have we actually done that? And in the Bible, in Luke chapter 2, it explains the, the whole story of, of the birth of Jesus. And, and really, the nativity scene kind of tells the story. And, and so uh, we're, we're all really familiar with it probably by now. Like, you know that there was a census going on. The government was doing the census. And so Mary and Joseph have to travel to Bethlehem uh, to register. And, and uh, as they uh, get to the city, it was a, a crowded uh, city at this point. And they go to the end. There's no room for them. And so uh, they go to what we think is— uh, 
like a stable or a barn. We don't know for sure, but uh, later it says when Jesus is born, he's laid in a manger, which is a food trough. And so we think, okay, well, he was in a barn. He was in a stable, most likely a cave, because uh, that's kind of where animals uh, hung out and, and where they housed animals at that time. And, and so uh, we see shepherds here, and, and the shepherds were in the story. They're, they're uh, taking care of their, their sheep in, in, in a close field. And, and the angels come to the shepherds and say, hey, the Messiah's been born. You got to go check it out. And, and uh, the sign uh, of, of this miracle was that you would find a baby uh, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. They, they weren't following a star. A lot of times we see the star over the manger scene, but the star wasn't there that night from, from the biblical account. But the shepherds come and, and they find the sign because, yeah, it's kind of weird that a baby, a newborn baby is put in a food trough. It's not very hygienic. And, and so uh, the, the whole nativity scene also has the three wise men in it. And uh, first of all, we don't know if there were three of them. There could have been several more. We don't really know. There were three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so tradition just kind of says there were three, and there could have been a lot more, but you know, they weren't even there the night Jesus was born. They came approximately two years later, but hey, they look cool with the whole set, so let's go with it tonight and, and uh, this afternoon. And, and so, yeah, it all looks really good. And what's interesting about every nativity scene that you see, like everybody is focused on baby Jesus, right? Everybody's attention and at the center of the scene is Jesus. And I would believe that some of you are here today and in, in your life, you've not prepared room in your heart, in your life, to put Jesus in the center of your life. In fact, if you were honest, you would say that Jesus isn't even on the table. Like for you, you've not prepared room for him because there is no room for Jesus Maybe you're too busy and, and for, for now in your life, it's like, I've got a family, I've got work, I've got this, I've got that, and, and I just don't really have time for my faith. Perhaps when I get older, uh, when things kind of change, then, then I'll think about my faith and, and, and go that direction. Some of you might say, dude, that, like I've been to school, I've got my master's degree. It's like the whole biblical story and account uh, just couldn't have happened. Scientifically, the miracles, all that stuff, I mean, it's just not, it's not real. There are too many like mistakes in the Bible. So I mean, seriously, man, there, I just don't have any room for Jesus because it's just all kind of a, a made-up story. But I'm here today because, hey, it makes mom happy, and so don't mess with me, right? That's kind of where you're at today. And, and then there's another group who would say, you know, I'm not willing to take Jesus off the table. Like, I want him in the room. I just don't want him in the center of my life. And so I'm, I'm cool with him just kind of being somewhere on the table. And so he's, he's somewhere in your life. He's just not the center of your life. And and so to kind of illustrate that, let's just think about the shepherd here for a minute. Let's say, let's put him in the center. And so let's say that the, the shepherd, he, his job was to take care of the sheep. And, and for some of you, the very center of your life is your job. Because that's basically all you think about. All of your time and energy goes towards that. All of your resources and effort really just all go to your, 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 your job. And and you really, your family kind of knows this. They've kind of accepted this, like, hey, dad, mom, like all they really care about is, is like their job. And, and that's really the center of your life today. Or, or maybe it's not your job. Maybe for you, I'll, I'll put a wise man here in the center. Maybe for you, we'll let him represent wealth and knowledge. And so for you, the, really the center of your world, of your life is, man, I need to, I need to build my wealth. And so I'm going to focus on that. 
I need to gain some knowledge. I'm going to read the books. I got to get the education. I've got to focus on the organization. Why? Because I've got to get more wealth. I've got to build that wealth because that wealth is going to bring me happiness. It's going to bring me joy. I'm going to be able to get some cool stuff that's going to, you know, make life cool for me or whatever. And so really wealth is at the center of your life. Or perhaps you would say that I'm going to put Mary and Joseph in the center here. And and let's just say they represent family. And for you, the very center of your life is your family. And you might say, hey, bro, isn't that a good thing? You're supposed to put your family, you know, it's important, family first, right? And, and I would say, no, like not before your relationship with God, like nothing can, can take that place. But for many of you, if you were honest, you would say, my kids are at the center of my life. All of my energy and my time really focuses on them. And, and so they really dictate my schedule. My spouse dictates my schedule. And so we just kind of you know, that's really what we look to. That's really kind of what our life revolves around. Maybe for some of you, it's not your family. Uh, maybe I'm going to put this camel in the middle here because some of you just care too much about camels. And I don't know, it's just, I don't know why it's weird. No, I'll say that the camel really kind of represents entertainment. Uh, it represents our hobbies. And, and that's why we chose to put a television in the manger scene and the logo for this sermon today. Because really, you know, Christmas has really become a, uh, all about commercialism and consumerism and, and uh, let's replace, you know, the meaning of Christmas for, you know, let's just buy a bunch of gifts and go to a bunch of parties nobody wants to go to and, and uh, buy gifts for people we don't really, you know, like that much. But, but here we go. We got to go through it. Why? Because it's tradition. And so consumerism and materialism is kind of the center of your world. And uh, what's the next, you know, Netflix series that I'm going to watch? And what's the next movie I've got to dive into? And where we're going to, you know, take our kids to get them entertained this year, this day, or this week? And so that really kind of drives your energy and your focus. And, and so some of you would say that, yeah, one of these things is, is really in the center of your life today, and it's not, it's not Christ. And so I want us to really begin to examine what that looks like and, and how that could change. And to kind of help us uh, think about this, I, I want to illustrate it with a story. And, and uh, to, really, to really get into this story with me, I need you to go to 1985 for a minute. Because uh, something happened in 1985 that changed the world. And I knew that if I could get this one gift from my parents, like it was going to change everything about my life. It was the one thing that was gonna bring me joy. It was the one thing that was gonna bring me true satisfaction in life. It was the thing that I had to have. 1986 rolled around and all my friends started getting one. You know what it was? A Nintendo. Had to have a Nintendo, man. I would go to my friend's house and they'd be playing Mario Brothers and I'd be playing Duck Hunt, man. And it was just a jam. It was amazing. And, and uh, I loved it. And I thought maybe, maybe one day my parents would love me. I don't know. And get me a Nintendo. And so I'm, I'm begging for one. And, and you got to understand like this time frame. Like before Nintendo, we had Atari, right? I mean, okay, we had one game, Pong. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but after about 60 seconds, you were done with that. It was just not, it was not cool. And so if you wanted to play the cool games, you had to go to the arcade. And back in the day, I would steal some change from my dad uh, on his dresser. And then uh, I would get on my bike and I'd meet my friends at the arcade. And man, we would line up the coins on the screen, you know, just kind of marking our territory. If anybody else rolled up on us, we are like, bro, this is, I'm going to be here for a minute. So just kind of step off, right? I mean, we're going to play until our money is gone. And I would play super, I would play Mario brothers and every chance I got until all of my money 
was gone. And, and so getting a Nintendo to kind of bring that experience into my home was the one thing that I had to have. And, and so let me just, a little caveat here. This wasn't like going from an Xbox to an Xbox 360s, okay? All the millennials, like, like, like don't, oh, it's got more, better graphics and more storage. No, shut up. This was revolutionary. This was a Nintendo that was going to change the world and, and it was going to change my life. The 1987 rolled around and I just knew this was going to be the year my parents were going to get this for me. And, 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 and all week I was checking the presents. You know, you ever check the presents when you were a kid? Like kind of, I, I, like I was like a specialist. I could, I could just remove the tape just so and kind of peek into the box and then put it back so mom would never know anybody else do that or am I just the only weird one? And, and so the Nintendo wasn't there. But as we got to the end of some of the presents, I noticed one other glorious box and I started to really get excited. And sure enough, I opened that box and it was a Nintendo and my heart sang and with joy and glee, singing with the angels in heaven. Uh, I experienced uh, the gift that I'd always wanted and my mom actually snapped a picture of that day and I think we've got it. This was me. <clears throat> yeah. That was it, man. Changed my life. My sister enjoying the moment with me. My brother selfishly not even engaged. And so I don't even know <laughs> what he was doing. This was a game changer for me. And, and yeah, it, it revolutionized my life. And I remember thinking in that moment, this is always going to be mine. It's always going to be mine. Well, a couple of years later, the Super Nintendo came out. A couple years after that, it was the Nintendo 64, and then it was the Game Boy, and then it was a Wii or PlayStation, and then Xbox came out, then Xbox 360, and I got older, and I wasn't even really into video games anymore, but I discovered some other cool things like sports and girls and money and a million other things that grabbed my attention and promised to satisfy me. But what I began to learn, and what I hope you will begin to learn as well, is that what I think I want is what I think I want. But what I want always changes. It always changes. Have you found that to be true for yourself? Like what I think I want is what I think I want, but what I want changes all the time. And it certainly was the case in 1987 as a fifth grade kid. But as I've grown up, I've learned the truth that nothing in this world that we can buy or that we can accomplish will truly satisfy the longing of your heart. If you're trying to keep Jesus in the room, but not really at the center of your life, let me save you some time. Nothing else will satisfy you. Search no longer. There is nothing in this world, there's not a relationship, there's not food, there's not uh, an amount of money that will ultimately satisfy your soul. Psalm 107 verse 9 says, God satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. You know, what each of us must do is, is not just put Jesus in the room at some level, like what he's asking you to do and what out of our joy we get to experience when we put him not just in the room, but in the center of our life, then we begin to experience what true joy and what a satisfied soul begins to experience. And 
When you put Jesus in the center of your life, three things happen. The first thing that happens is that you become a brand new person. You become a brand new person. You know, one of the fastest growing crimes in the U.S. is identity theft. This year, an identity fraud study was done and released by Javelin Strategy and Research, and they found that $16 billion was stolen from 15.4 million U.S. customers in 2016. You believe that? A lot of you have experienced that. You've had your cards stolen or, you know, whatever has been stolen. Your identity has been stolen. It is frustrating and fearful and and can be a pain. And the truth is, every single one of us in this room today have had our identity stolen from us. You know how? Because of our sin, because we were born with this sin nature, that sin nature led us to find our identity in something other than who our creator created us to be. And when we don't find our identity in who God created us to be, we allow someone else or something else to steal our identity. And, and you know what it feel, feels like. And just by example, you, you know that some of you have let the opinion of other people steal your identity. And what someone else thinks about you or said about you, you actually believed about yourself. You had your identity stolen. Some of you have had your identity stolen by your kids and, and uh, you, you believe that you know, whatever they do uh, it, it really is, is, is where you find your identity. So if they do really good at something, you feel great about yourself. And if they do poorly in something, you feel really badly about yourself. Why? Because your identity has been stolen by the behavior of your children. Some of you have had your identity stolen by your job. And so you think that who you are is your job. And without that job, you wouldn't know who you are. And so I would ask, you know, what happens when you retire or you quit or you get fired? Like you'll lose who you are as a, as a person. And it's not what God is offering to you. You see, the world says if you're not the most beautiful, you don't matter. The world says if you're not the most educated, you don't matter. If you're not the most talented, you don't matter. If you're not the most athletic, you don't matter. If you're not the most famous person, then you don't matter. And we hear this rhetoric from the world constantly. You even heard it growing up. Lies from other people. Lies that said that you're never gonna amount to anything. Who do you think you are? You heard lies like, why would you try that? Why can't you just be more like your brother? You're worthless. You're too old. You're too young. You're too fat. You're too ugly. You don't have any talent. And on and on and on, the lies came at you. And you heard these voices over and over again. And maybe you've believed those lies. And today, that's who you believe that you are. You heard these lies so often and and so many times. You actually believed uh, what they were saying. But listen, when Christ saves you, when he's at the center of your life, you realize that you are a new person. He saves you not because of what you have done or are going to do. He saves you by his grace. If you build your identity on something that can be taken from you, you will always lose who you really are. Here's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. It says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You see, when you make Christ the center of your life, you begin to learn that your identity is found in him. 
What he says about you is your new identity. And so you begin to learn this and you learn that you don't have to perform for other people to gain their approval because in Christ, he already approves you. You learn that not only is, is you know, what the opinions of other people, what they say about you and, and begin to believe them, you believe that not only are, are, are you valuable, that you are in fact loved by your creator. You see, the scripture is clear. The starting point for you and I to discover what this new identity is, is we've got to stop seeing yourself the way that everybody else has seen you and, how they, and what they have said about you. And you start to understand and learn what God says about you. And when you begin to learn what God says about you from the word of God, then you can begin to grow in that new identity. And this is a beautiful journey as you become and fulfill this person that God has created you to be. So when you put your faith in Jesus and you make him the center of your life, you become a new person. But secondly, you receive a new power. This is important. You receive a brand new power. God doesn't say, hey, I'm gonna come and help you out from time to time. No, he says that he is actually going to be within us. And listen, January's coming, right? And those New Year's resolutions are kind of on our mind and we need to change a bad habit and we need to do this and do that. But we've all been there, right? We've been there, we've done that. We've, we've tried through sheer willpower to change a behavior in our life. And maybe it lasts a couple of weeks. By the end of the month, we're back on that bad habit. We've all failed in that. Why? Most likely because we're trying to do things out of our own power, a, a willpower. And what we need to do is we need to we need to begin to live our life through God's power, not our willpower. Here's what the scripture says in Romans 5, 5. It says, hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who he has given to us. So what the scripture teaches us is that the Holy Spirit has been poured out into our heart. He has been given to us, not just to, you know, be around us from time to time. No, to live and dwell within our very soul. So the power of the Holy Spirit is, is now within us. And it's through that power then that we can change things that we were never able to change on our own. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13 says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Now, this is huge. Why, why is God working in us? He is, he is working in us through the Spirit, through the power of the Holy Spirit in our life to act in order for us to fulfill his good purpose. I can't do anything good on my own. I can't accomplish anything for the kingdom of God on my own or through my own effort or through my own willpower. Anything that I would, I would be a part of uh, in God's purpose or mission for my life is, is evidence that the spirit of God is working through me to do the purposes that God has called me to. You see, the power of God is within you when you put your faith and trust in Jesus. And then thirdly, when Jesus is at the center of your life, you connect to a brand new community. So you connect to a new community. You know, the Bible describes the church as a body. And as this body is made up of different parts, we all have different roles. We have different functions to, to actually accomplish in the church. But we're, we're, we're united. We're one church and we have one mission. 
And so I love what 1 Corinthians 12 says about this new community. It says that if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And the entire chapter paints this picture, beautiful picture, of what the church is all about, that we're called to love one another, we're called to serve one another, we're called to, to, to help one another through difficult seasons. We're, we're called to help one another grow and mature in our faith. See, the reality is you were not meant to live life on your own. You were meant to know God and you were meant to have a family around you to support you. Now, some of you would say, I did not and nor do I now have a family that supports me. My family is jacked up, Trent. You don't get it. Well, the Bible doesn't say God never promises that he's gonna give you the perfect family. But what he does say is when Christ is at the center of your life, he's gonna connect you to his family, God's family, the church. And by connecting to God's family, then we have that support, we have that love, we have that one purpose, we have the opportunity to fulfill God's purpose in our life together as a unit. You know, there's a a couple in our church, their names are Marcus and Brittany Kennedy, and they know what it's like, or they knew what it was like to have Jesus, you know, kind of in the room, but not in the center of the room, so to speak. They, they both grew up in church. Marcus, you know, grew up in church, but never took his faith seriously. And in 2009, he joined the Marines, and uh, he got married to Brittany. And um, as soon as that decision happened, it seemed like his, his life began to fall apart and all kinds of issues and problems kind of began to uh, evidence in their life. And his faith dwindled to nothing, he said. And in his words, he says his life was marked by selfishness and problems. The problems caused this marriage to suffer, and the young couple was about ready to get a divorce. They were both discouraged. They were both at the end of their rope. And one night they showed up to see a movie in town. And they got there a little early, and they happened to see uh, a commercial advertisement from Foothills Church. And he thought, man, desperately, let's give it a shot. A couple decided to attend FC, and, and that decision changed their life forever. They fell in love with the church and the people here. And he said, we went to base camp. We realized that we'd been living our life for ourselves. And both Marcus and Brittany committed their life to Jesus, and they were both baptized on November 26th, just, just this past November. And, and uh, this is them, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Praise God for how he's working in their life. You know, he said, before we found FC, part of our struggle, he said, was that we didn't have any community, and we felt like we were dealing with all of our issues alone. At FC, we joined a small group, and the small group changed our life. The people in our group have helped our marriage and helped us become better parents. And man, I praise God for how he, uh, how God just really changed their life entirely. And, and, and as they put Christ in the center of their life, everything began to change. You know, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, it says, because of his love, because of God's love, God's unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. If you guys will leave that verse up there, let's look at that verse for a minute. Because of his love, God's unchanging plan has been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. You see, you're not automatically in God's family. A lot of people believe that, you know, we're all in the family of God, but 
The Bible doesn't teach us that. The, the Bible says that you have to be adopted into the family of God. You, you, you're just automatically in God's family. And, and the reason why you're not is because you were born with a sin nature, and that sin nature has separated you. It separated me from God. And so the only way to get into the family of God is to be adopted into the family. So we hear this all the time, everybody's a child of God, but in the Bible, not everybody is a child of God. Why? Again, you've got to be adopted into this family. Now, I believe everybody is loved by God, everybody's created by God, but again, our sin has separated us from God. So, so how, do we, how do we get adopted into the family of God? And the answer is to trust Jesus, to put your faith in Jesus and His death on the cross as a payment for your sins And that, yes, he died, but on the third day he rose again, defeating sin and death. If you put your faith in Jesus, not only are you believing in Jesus, but now you are a part of the family of God. And this is what it means to actually, you know, become a follower of Jesus. And I believe as that happens, you'll begin to experience what it, what it feels like and what it looks like to become a brand new person, to understand this brand new power within you. And then you begin to connect to this new community. You know, as we look at the nativity, as we look at this scene and, and every year, you know, we kind of set it out and every year we kind of, you know, do the deal. A lot of folks just kind of do it out of tradition, you know? And so for, for many of you as as Christ isn't the center, like it's, 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 it's evidence in how you're, you're living your life and, and you have probably already kind of admitted it today as, as I've been talking. And, and yeah, you might put Jesus in the middle here, you know, just to kind of demonstrate to family and friends or, or it might make sense in, in, in this scene, but in your life, it's just not the case. And so Christmas comes and Christmas goes and you do the gifts and you do the you do the decorations and yeah, you do the nativity scene, you do the lights and you go to the parties and you eat the food and you buy some gifts. And, but at the end of the day, I mean, it, it's all just kind of a tradition for you. It's all just kind of this thing that, you know, it's just happens. You just do it and, and, and then you move on. You get to January and what you do is you just basically put your faith, you put this whole concept of the birth of Jesus on hold and you just put Jesus back in the box, put him back in the attic and wait till next year, drag him out again and do the whole thing again. I just want to encourage you today, like somewhere deep within your soul today, have you ever just had that thought that, man, there's, there's got to be more. There's got to be more than what I'm currently experiencing, like running through Christmas and just not even really believing that it's here and like, here we are again. And have we really prepared room in our heart to understand who Jesus is and to worship him as the son of God, to worship him as our savior? You know, a lot of us just treat Jesus like the world treated Jesus. When Jesus was born, the only room uh, we had, no room in the inn, the only room we had for him was, was a manger a food trough. And at the end of his life, the only room that we could prepare for him was the tomb. But praise God, he left that space. He left that room and rose from the grave on the third day, defeating sin and death and giving you and I the opportunity to receive him by faith 
to allow heaven to be our home and to be adopted into the family of God. I just wonder in this Christmas season if, if perhaps the events in your life and the message today have kind of all culminated in this one moment to where you, you believe that you've never put Jesus in the center of your life. You've, you've never truly put your faith in Christ. And I want to give you the opportunity to do that today. I just want to ask everybody to bow their heads and, and let's, just, let's just begin to have a conversation with God. If nobody will leave and distract those around us, I would appreciate that. And perhaps you're here today and, you know, going through this message, you believe that, man, I've not made that decision. I've not experienced in my life a, a decision to follow Christ, to trust Him as my Lord and Savior. I've not, I've not done that. And, but today you'd like to do that. Today you're you're ready to make that step, to take that step. I just want to encourage you with this prayer, just to repeat this prayer to him. And, and I believe if, if you're sincere about this, if this is a decision that, that you truly want to make today, that God will save you in this moment. Just simply say to him, God, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and that he rose from the grave, defeating sin and death. I confess that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins and come into my life and save me today. Today, I make you the center of my life. Now, in this moment, I, I'm not gonna ask you to do anything like come up to the front or to go anywhere or to do anything. I'm, I'm not gonna ask you to do that today, but I would love it if if you made that decision for the first time, if, if you would just, in the quietness and the stillness of this room, just lift up your hand and, and show that, hey man, I just made this decision, Trent, and I just, wanna, just want you to know that I, God is working in my life and I, I made that decision just, just now. Anybody at all say, man, that was me, and just slip up your hand, put it back down. Anybody at all? I see one or two. Anybody else? It's like, man, I, I just made that and Fantastic. So what I want to encourage you to do is, in your seat was a Connect card. If you made that decision today, even if you didn't raise your hand, would you please take a moment to fill that card out and check the box on the back of it that said, I, I received Christ as my Lord and Savior. And when you walk out these back doors, there's going to be a red bucket by the door. Just drop that card in that red bucket. And I'm not gonna send anybody to your house or anything like that. What I'm, what I'm simply gonna do is, is I'd love to be able to mail you some cool resources that will help you take your next step. And that's, that's really basically it because I'm all about helping you take that next step of faith. And, and so I would love it if you would let me know just by putting that card in that red bucket. Heavenly Father, we, we, just, we just thank you for the gift of Christmas. We thank you for, yes, the cross, but we thank you for sending Jesus that he became a man, he took on flesh in his perfect life, in his ministry is the reason why we can sing today. It's the reason why we can have joy today. It's the reason why we can have true satisfaction and joy in our life. And so we receive him as a gift today and help that generosity to us flood our souls and make us generous to serve your kingdom. 
Lord, I pray that you would bless those heavy hearts in the room today that maybe are dealing with some some very challenging situations. God, I pray that your hand and your encouragement would just bless them. And God, that you would fill them. And Lord, that you would just minister to their soul today, their heart today. God, may they take that next step of faith, whatever that step is, Lord, that you would lead them to take. And so, Lord, we're grateful for you. We, we, We praise you for the gift of salvation. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.